Hebrews 11, verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Here we see three dying acts of faith. And we read the commendations of these three men, all of whom possessed saving faith. Remember what this chapter teaches about saving faith. It says what it is, how it acts, what its characteristics are, and its eternal results. Saving faith, it is clear from the variety of stories listed here, makes the promises of God real to men, so that in every situation, they follow him in all of life. Faith makes the promises of God real. Even more real and more certain than the things that are seen. This is saving faith. And so saving faith is fundamentally different from every other non-saving so-called faith. This chapter emphasizes several truths about saving faith. One is that faith is future-oriented. It leans not on what God is doing right this minute. It leans on the promises of God. Another truth is that saving faith always leads to obedience toward God. Not perfect obedience. None of the men or women that are listed here perfectly obeyed God. Some of them committed atrocious acts of sin. But these men and women, by faith, did walk in fellowship and obedience with God. Every one of them responded by faith with God-honoring action. And another emphasized truth is that saving faith endures. It keeps on going. Saving faith doesn't ever utterly die away. And the main stress of these three verses is the truth that faith gifted by God prevails even to the end of life. Even to the end of life. Did you notice in the reading that all three of these acts of faith either come very late in life or at the point of death? In Genesis 27, Isaac was said to be old. And according to verse 4, he thought himself near to death. That is when he blessed his sons. Jacob was dying when he blessed Joseph's sons. Joseph was at the end of his life. He was dying when he gave directions about his burial. Now, this has been a theme all through this chapter. Abel was what? Faithful unto death. Enoch didn't see death. Abraham and Sarah were both old and reproductively dead. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Sarah all, according to verse 13, died in faith. 
Isaac was figuratively raised from the dead. So you see, saving faith has everything to do with dying and death. Saving faith and death are woven all through this chapter. And this is why in the book of Hebrews anyway, faith and hope are almost synonymous. Faith in the future promises of God, well, that was these believers' hope. And so in these three men, faith endured from whenever it was initially implanted in their souls all the way until death. Faith waned at times, yes, but it never entirely left. It never disappeared. And at death, these three men were constant in their trust and obedience toward God. And this steadfastness of faith in the face of death causes us to come full circle because it reminds us that it is future-oriented. Remember verse 1, faith is focused on things hoped for, for things not seen, for things promised but not yet present. So all of these exemplars teach us that saving faith will always support us even in the dark hour of death because death simply cannot defeat the promises of God. So let's look at these three men. And I have uh, a little different outline than what you have. Um, I will have one use after each man and none at the end. All right? First, let's look again at verse 20 and the story of Isaac. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. What is Isaac's story? Well, this verse references Genesis 27, in which Isaac conferred on his sons blessings for their futures. You probably remember the story. It's one that highlights Jacob's deceit his mother's sinful instigation of him, and Isaac's blessing of Jacob in place of the firstborn Esau. Isaac blessed Jacob with the blessings that he had received from Abraham and which ultimately had come from God. This secondborn son received the blessings of the firstborn son so that he would be lord over his brother and other peoples. He would gain great material wealth. He would gain God's favor, and he would ultimately produce the Messiah. Now, Esau also received a blessing, but if you go back to Genesis 27 and read it, it reads almost more like a curse. Despite the evil in Jacob's trickery, God sovereignly chose to bless his line, not Esau's. And Isaac recognize this. He did not take back Jacob's blessing once it had been given, even though he realized he'd been tricked and it had gone wrong. But he confirmed, oh yes, he will be blessed. So this leads us to his act of faith. The specific act of faith commended to us in Isaac is this. He believed that God's promises were invincible that the covenant would go on after his death through Jacob. His duty was to transmit the blessings that he had received from God to the next generation. 
This demonstrated his saving faith. He believed God. And though he wouldn't live to see the fulfillment, he still trusted that the promise was valid and sure, even though it was future. His life illustrated for us Hebrews 11.1 and Hebrews 11.13. Now, there were other acts of great faith in Isaac's life. His actions recorded in the story of God calling Abraham to sacrifice him seemed to show a great faith even though he was probably quite young, maybe a teenager. But the inspired preacher of this book wanted to emphasize here that faith in God's promises endures in those who truly trust God. It endures. It endures all the way to the end. It endures even until the end of life. And so this act of Isaac is chosen as a pattern for every reader of this book to follow. But the use I want to have you look at from his, uh, this verse is a different one. The use is this. Faith brings benefits even to evil men. Saving faith brings benefits even to those men who do not believe, who are part of the story, but not believers themselves. Isaac blessed who? He blessed both of his sons. His faith, Isaac's faith, brought benefits to both of them. Now, if you know the story well, you'll recognize that at the time both of these men were blessed, neither man was right with God. Neither man was good. Jacob was nothing but a deceitful manipulator, and Esau lived for his lusts. Jacob, of course, was going to later wrestle with God and become a true believer, but Esau never did. Never did. And yet, the man of faith, Isaac, blessed them both. He apparently believed that in spite of what he could see with his eyes, the way his sons were growing up, that God's promise would stand, that something would change. By the power of God, something would change. And so he spoke in faith, blessing them. And Esau, especially, at least in my mind, reminds us of how the lives of believers give the blessings of God, in part, even to people who hate God. We normally call this, in theological terms, common grace. It's God's benevolence to all men. Well, this loving kindness of God that comes to all men, not always, but often comes to unbelievers through Christians. Christian parents, Christian friends, churches. Believers who follow God in their understanding of things like the value of human life. What a man and a woman are what marriage is, what true science is, what true religion is, how to live wisely in a fallen world, and how to be right with God through Jesus Christ. 
In all this, believers set an example for unbelievers, and they often bring them good. When saved parents help their yet unsaved children develop healthy, God-fearing habits in life, and on and on the examples could go, blessings come to those unbelievers. Faith brings benefits to evil men even when they think that the good that's being done to them is evil. You see, only God's ways work in the world he created. No godless substitute philosophies bring good to men. But the lives of faithful, obedient believers do. And so men and women of faith are the salt of the earth. They act as preservatives to its corruption. Men and women of faith are the light of the world. They show the way to true life and happiness through Jesus Christ. And all of this comes by faith from believers, just as it did from Isaac. Brothers and sisters, recognize that your supposedly unimpactful life, your simple sphere of influence of only a few people, brings good things to unbelievers. Let's look now at the story of Jacob. The next verse. The story is that late in life, Jacob demonstrated a similar faith. The two phrases of his story in verse 21 are actually from two different um, events as he was near death. The first is the blessing of the two sons of Joseph. Uh, Jacob's own blessing came through trickery, but here he deliberately blesses the younger with the older's uh, gift. He knew what he was doing. He gave the greater blessing to Ephraim. The second act of faith is that he bowed in worship over the head of his staff, or at the end of his bed, as as it can also be translated. He entered God's heavenly worship, directly from worshiping him on his deathbed. Well, what was his act of faith? What was Jacob's act of faith? It's the same as his father Isaac's. He believed God's promise and knew that God's power and faithfulness to the covenant wouldn't die with him, but it would live on in the next generations until it was fulfilled. His blessing of his grandsons is an act of belief in the future promise of God. It's an act of sound, enduring faith. And, and, you know, from our vantage point, we think, oh, well, that's easy, because we know how the story turned out. But in a certain sense, although they had the promise of God, they didn't know how this would work out exactly. In fact, remember God had promised Abraham that when his descendants went to a a faraway country, Egypt, that they would be enslaved for many, many years. So if you knew your children or grandchildren were going to be enslaved and afflicted for many years in a foreign land, surely that that would lead many of us to have doubts and worries. But faith triumphed in Jacob even at death. He blessed Joseph's sons. And the use here to this story 
is that faith is rooted in election. Faith is rooted in election or the electing love of God. Of course, Jacob and Esau is one of the classic and clearest biblical examples of the truth that God gives saving faith, not to all men, not even to all of the descendants of Abraham or Isaac, but only to his elect. God had chosen Abraham, and then he had chosen Isaac, not Ishmael, and then he had chosen Jacob, not Esau, for the blessings of salvation. The Lord announced in Malachi, Jacob have I loved, Esau I have hated. And in Romans 9, it points out that Jacob was included in what it calls, quote, God's purpose of election. But it's important to remember that when God in eternity past set his love on Jacob and chose him for salvation, he also chose, he planned, he set firmly all of the means for that salvation to be accomplished. In other words, he planned all of the steps that would bring Jacob to heaven. Election isn't theoretical. It is as practical as the all-encompassing providence of God. So the faith that unites a man to God through the promise of the Christ is rooted in election. Predestination and faith aren't intention. Election is the root of the plant faith which produces the flower salvation. And so this verse declares that Jacob acted by faith. Esau didn't. Even though they shared the same ancestry and the same opportunities. What made the difference? The sovereign grace of God. <laughs> he is the one, the only one, who makes men to differ, according to the New Testament. He is the one, according to Philippians 1.29 and Ephesians 2.8 and 9 and many other places, he is the one who gives saving faith to those he has chosen. And Jacob's response to this grace is correct. He worships. He worships. And this should be the end product of our making our election sure. It should result not in pride, but in praise and thanksgiving to God from a humble and grateful heart. Election was never meant to lead to arguments. It's revealed in order for you and I to worship. And now the story of Joseph. At the end of his life, according to those last verses of Genesis, and according to verse 22 here, he continued to identify with God's people. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. In his own mind, Joseph was not an Egyptian. Now this is perhaps a little surprising. He was about 17 when he was taken as a slave down to Egypt. He lived to be 110. So for over 90 years, he was an Egyptian. Surrounded by Egyptian culture, 
the evil and the good of it. But even as a teen, sold into the land of slavery for him, he knew the promises of God to his fathers. And he trusted God as they did. So he was an Israelite. He believed God's promise of deliverance from Egypt and that Israel would possess the promised land. His faith was very practical. So what was his act of faith? Well, Joseph's act of faith is this. He gave directions that his body be preserved and at the Exodus brought out of Egypt into Canaan. So again, Joseph's example matches the previous two. He believed the reality of what he couldn't see. He believed in the certainty of God's promises coming to pass, even if he were dead. So while he knew those around him would be enslaved, he also knew they would be delivered. And when they left Egypt with great riches, they would enter a land given by God to their fathers, and he wanted to be there with them. Why? Because he was identifying in his own mind with God's people and not with the Egyptians. He was an Israelite. He was one of the sons of God. He was part of the people of God. And to Joseph, this future was so certain that he gave instruction about his bones. Well, this leads us to a, a, a very contemporary use, and that is this. Saving faith's highest identity is with God and his people. Do you want to play identity politics this morning? Okay, let's play it. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, faith is the highest identity about you. It makes you in right relationship with God and it brings you into the group of his people. Now Joseph came, uh, apparently came uh, to faith early in life. Um, it's interesting if you look at these three men, you know, one is probably very early in life teen or preteen, the next one's quite old, maybe maybe 70 or 80 before he knows God uh, savingly, and, and then the next one's real young again. Yet they're all men of faith. But he knew from his teenage years that Jehovah was his God and that God's people were his people. He believed the promise of a coming Savior through the family line and that God would preserve, deliver, and even bless Israel in the centuries to come. And neither the dungeons of Egypt nor its throne with great riches could dislodge this conviction. That's good. That's good. Brothers and sisters, you must cling to faith with every ounce of God-given strength you have because that is alone what distinguishes you. Because that's what lays hold of Christ, makes you right with God, enters, him in, enters you into the family of God, and preserves your future. Nothing else can do that. Only faith can do that. Sometimes we see people get very, very wealthy and they forget God. Or something really good happens to them and they, they leave God. And for others, the sufferings of this life 
overwhelm them, it seems, and they, and they leave. But saving faith perseveres. Saving faith always endures. And that's not because you and I are strong, but because saving faith is a gift. It's a gift of God. It's a gift from an almighty God who never stops working on that faith in us. Oh, it may wane, it may wax, it may seem to even disappear to some people, but it never goes away. And it didn't go away in Joseph. Joseph didn't self-identify as, well, fundamentally in life, I'm the favorite of my father. Yeah, I mean, like, look at this jacket, right? He didn't pull the victim card and go, oh, well, fundamentally in life, I'm a victim to my brother's hatred. And, and it could never get outside of that. He didn't self-identify as a slave abused by his master's wife or as a convict or as the second in command in all of Egypt. That wasn't his fundamental identity. His self-identity was this, I am one of God's people. I am one of God's people. I, by the gift of God, have saving faith. His persevering faith over almost a hundred years of Egyptian life didn't falter. Joseph was an Israelite. And I urge every true Christian here to think in exactly the same way as Joseph. Your faith is the greatest and most distinguishing and interestingly, at the same time, most unifying thing about you. So you must first be Christians. True spiritual Israelites. Children of Abraham, the father of the faithful. Part of the family of God. I know some of you are male and some of you are female. Some of you struggle or you don't struggle with your sexual orientation. Some of you are very light-skinned. Some of you are very dark-skinned. Some of you are in between. Some of you are culturally or ethnically Hispanic or African-American or Anglo or one of the other almost endless ways we have of dividing and identifying ourselves. But dear believer... All of these are a far second to who you are most fundamentally. Let me tell you who you are most fundamentally from Galatians chapter 3. Beginning at verse 25. But now that faith has come, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to the promise. Nothing about you rivals your adoption as sons of God. Nothing. So don't let anyone undermine your position in Christ by convincing you that any other factor in your life is more fundamental to you as a person. 
If you do that, you will lose the gospel. That's how important this is. You could lose your own soul. Your fundamental identity must be with Christ and his family, the church. And we must think and act according to this truth. And we must oppose every false worldly philosophy that tries to overthrow this. If the church is to rightly honor God and love one another in a united manner, then we must first identify as Christians. Our privilege or lack of it. And, and, and I don't in any way want to make fun or light of some of the things. I mean, being in prison can scar you for life. Being falsely accused by your master's wife being sold into slavery by your brothers. I mean, on and on the list could go. I, I'm not pretending this, this didn't have any effect in Joseph's life, that it didn't play an important role. Let's not pretend he, he ever forgot these things. He didn't. But fundamentally, he was an Israelite. These things weren't who he was. They were things that happened to the man who was. See? So our privilege or lack of it, our ethnicity or color or sexual or economic or political descriptors must all bow the knee to Jesus Christ, Amen. period. Amen. He is Lord. So don't let another man be your master, telling you that some mere created and often sinful characteristic about you is more basic than Christ in your life. No matter what sins you struggle with, brother or sister, they are not more fundamental to you than Jesus. They, they aren't. He is your Savior, and there will come a day, the last day, the final day, judgment day, when he and that remaining sin will have a contest. And guess who will win? With a word. With a word. With a mere word. All of that will be undone. And you will be made whole and clean. And you will be fully made like Jesus Christ. And those other descriptors which seem so much you, you'll realize they were never you. They were sin dwelling in you. They were other people's sin done against you. But they weren't you. But you are in Jesus Christ. And so you are an Israelite. <laughs> you are part of the family of God. You're a Christian. We ask our Lord, you tell us who we are. And we ask this in faith. And he answers in Joseph, you are my people. You are my sons. You are my church. Let's pray.